0: Hi folks, welcome to Gospel of Kennison Podcast My Life Part 3. This is episode 131, brought to the week of June 17th, 2020. I want to say a special thanks to Carrie Wright, Carrie Bernhardt, and Zane Estrada for uh, supporting the show on Patreon. My email is james at nlcast.com. You can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash G-O-K. Now, last time, if I remember correctly, I got us all the way through high school, but there was a couple of things that I missed that I wanted to go back and add. One of them was about stepdad. Can't, can't let him out of, uh, existence yet without explaining one of the things he did to me. One time, I don't remember what I did. I don't remember how bad I was or if I deserved it or not, um, I'm sure you'll agree with me that I didn't deserve it, but he beat me so badly on my upper legs, across my, my rear and, and in my lower back that I swelled up to the point that I couldn't stand up. Like it, it, everything was so swollen that I had to stay bent over. And so I crawled around on the floor for a day. Um, I'm not sure I made that, put that in there. But it deserves to be told. Um, he he also was just constantly belittling, and um, I think I covered that in in uh, in a, in the right way. So just wanted to get that in there. Um, I, where I left off, my mom had lost her husband and her mother, and uh, had gotten a divorce and started hoarding animals, which was terrible. Uh, I didn't go back and re-listen to my last episode, so I'll just have to say that I, um, kept my clothes in garbage bags straight out of the dryer so that the, the, uh, my clothes wouldn't smell like animals when I went to school. Um, yeah, I think I talked about, we tore out all of the carpets because they were so wet and sticky with animal droppings and things like that. And I think I got to the point where I had moved out or I tried to move out. I'm, I moved out and it wasn't easy um, because my mother considered it a ultimate disrespect, I guess, or the ultimate rebellion to move out of the house, even though I was of age, 18 and uh i I was just biding my time, and I moved in with a guy named Harvey. Harvey was a was a hemp smoking hippie Christian, <laughs> and uh he was he was a trip, he was a good friend. he was a little weird, but he had a room in his in his house, and I rented it, and I stayed there with him for quite a while. Um, but at the time I was living three lives, um, maybe just two by that point. But in high school, I had an existence at home. I had an existence and at church, I had an existence and my existence is my versions of myself were all different at school. I was just James, Um, creative guy, crazy about girls, kind of put myself out there as a Christian, but never really, um, seemed to do anything to back that up as far as being a witness for God or living a life that would honor God. Um, still wouldn't say that I had a relationship with God at all. It was mostly just church attendance, and I, I did a Sunday school class for some kids, um, middle school kids. My life at home um, was w- where I was a bully, pretty much, to my siblings. I was Mister Know It All, um, and and I. I, I took out what John did to me on my siblings. We never got along. There was never a lot of love in our home growing up. I mean, we hit each other and, you know, called each other names and, and just generally tried to kill each other the whole time we were growing up. But at this point in my life, um, I I just wanted to get out wanted to get out of the house, but I was, you know, obviously angry. I was being rebellious. I was standing up for what I believed was right because I was tired of not being able to do anything. Um, I had been able to get a job. I'd, I'd been able to drive. I'd been able to go out on dates, but outside of that, like school dances, movies, um, You know, I I mentioned how late in life all those things came to me and how many times my mom threatened me uh, with action if I tried to participate in any of them. So, you know, at home, I was, I guess, you know, me. That was the closest to the real me. Uh, And then at church, I was a totally different person because we had youth group and, and I participated and I sang songs and helped lead worship and, um, listened to sermons and enjoyed myself and, um, considered myself a good Christian young man. Looking back now, of course, you know, you can't be three people and, uh, that are completely different and opposed to each other in many ways and, and call yourself a good anything. Because you're not going to be good at any one version. Um, but anyway, those uh, those three lives are over now. I'm one person, and uh, it's the same same person that gets up in the morning and kisses his wife. Same person that hugs his kids is the same person that deals with the struggles of depression and anxiety. Is the same person that does podcasting is the same person who's has very few friends and a very small church that he goes to is the same person you're listening to now. So at least I've accomplished that. But after I moved out, I lost my job. Um, I didn't get fired or anything. The, uh, grocery store that I worked at closed down just due to the fact that it was a small town grocery store and it was needing to close down (laughs) for a long time. There was nobody going there. They were all going to Walmart, you know, and the, and the other stores that were in town or, you know, this was a downtown small town grocery store. So surprised it lasted as long as it did. But what little I made at that place was all that I uh, had to pay for rent. And, uh, so I ended up moving into a place that I believe, uh, you can't quote me on this, but I believe it was $150 a month. It was a studio apartment over a hardware store in downtown St. Mary's. And, um, I, I couldn't even afford that by the time, it all caught up with me. I, I tried to get other jobs. I tried to work at a Wendy's flipping burgers. I tried working at a, um, a car wash, you know, doing the pre-wash before it went through the, through the machine. Um, I don't know, odd jobs, you know, things like that. But I never was good with money. Never was. I never got taught anything. And, um, I, I I got in trouble with money. We'll get we'll get to that in a in a bit. But um I broke up with my girlfriend. Uh it wasn't a big deal. We'd been together for two years. She had kind of started losing interest in me um once I started struggling financially. Uh, cause you know, and and I don't, I'm not saying that like she was a money grubber or whatever. I just wasn't being responsible. I wasn't holding down a job. I wasn't being marriage material. And after two years of dating anybody, you, you know, it's the kind of thinking that you, you do, you know, and we, we had graduated high school. It was, it was, uh, she was supposed to be going to college. It was was not the best thing so by the time um we broke up it was pretty mutual and uh i I can't say she dumped me or i dumped her it was just a conversation where i remember it well i said do you want me to come over she says not really i said do you want to just break up and she says yeah i said okay and we cut it short right there and that was it she called me a couple times later on when she was emotional a couple of times, like a snake, almost bitter, she called me and something else happened with her family. And she called me, I guess, cause you know, just out of habit, I was the only person around the same time I was in a band, a band that was called three nights. And it's, it's one of the best things and the most embarrassing things that I ever did. And this is. Uh, A band that I started with John Steinklobber, my current co-host and friend over there at uh, That Story Show. Um, There was also a young man named Adam who played drums. John played bass. I played guitar and piano and was the lead singer. And we wrote all our own songs and played them. And we actually had some gigs. We did some youth Uh, jams, I guess they called them back then in the nineties, the early nineties, 91, 92, 93, uh, summer Jesus jams. And, uh, we played a couple of those. We did an outreach that where we played off the back of a, of a flatbed truck and, um, it was dark out and we had matching suits. Uh, because that's what boys to men did. And I thought it would be cool if we all matched and my suit was purple (laughs) with a yellow tie and I looked like the Joker. So, um, anyway, all of these things were happening kind of at the same time, the move out, the band, the breakup. And eventually I had to suck in my pride and I, I had to move back in with mom and, uh, to her credit, she allowed me to come back as a different kind of person than, than I was treated when I left. She no longer saw me as an infant son that needed her constant care and attention. She, 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 uh, allowed me to come and stay in the den. I, I don't remember if I paid rent or not. I, I likely didn't. Um, you know, cause moms are cool like that. And, 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 I'm sure I was expected to once I got a job and everything, uh, which I eventually did find a job at a Ford dealership in Kingsland, Georgia. It's still there. I don't know if it's named by or run by the same gentleman that was there, but I, I got a job, uh, detailing cars. And it was, uh, it was a good job. I learned a trade, you know, of, of sorts and I know how to clean a car. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't enjoy it. I don't do it, but if I had to, I know how to detail a vehicle. It's not that hard really. It's, it's just having the right tools and, and that's the biggest thing and the right chemicals. And, um, I moved up in my position. I was, uh, uh, elevated to the position of a parts employee where I worked in parts and, and that was just running and, and getting parts that people needed and delivering them to the mechanics and stuff and kind of maintaining inventory. And, uh, I had a manager over me and then the parts driver quit or, you know, moved up. I think he moved up. And he trained me and he was very mean. Uh, he trained me on his route and we would drive through Jacksonville and Kingsland, to St. Mary's, uh, picking up parts and delivering them. And it was, it was a terrible job for me. If, if we had had GPS, it would have been a breeze, but I'm so terrible with instructions. I've, I've lived in St. Louis for five years nearly, and I still use my GPS to get everywhere. I know I rely on it too much, but it's mostly because I don't know where I'm going half the time. And, uh, this, this job, it was rough. And, um, but about that time is when I met my future wife. We met at this event that I used to go to on Sunday nights because I was out of high school, but I still did high school things. And on, um, Sunday nights in St. Simon's Island, they probably still do it. It was called the gathering place and it was for all these youth groups to come together. And it was a massive, uh, auditorium full of hundreds of kids and it was just a blast. It was a lot of fun. And, um, the interesting thing in telling you the story of how I met my wife was that I wasn't supposed to have gone to this thing and neither was she. She really wasn't supposed to go. I was supposed to go with friends, but they decided not to go. And my sister and her friends were going, and I didn't really like her friends or her, but I wanted to go. And so I got a ride with them. So, you know, hey, wasn't supposed to be there, but still got there. Uh, My wife, on the other hand, 16 years old, Uh, I was 19, 16 years old, had her license for two weeks. She had permission to drive her and a friend from their house to her church. And then they were going to take the church van to the event. Well, something happened where the youth pastor got in an accident or something and they weren't able to go. So Jennifer decides that her big self, she'd been driving all the two weeks we're going to drive to St. Simon's Island and we're going to go to the thing anyway. So that's what she did. And that's why she was there. She really wasn't supposed to be there. And I remember looking back at my friend. I knew the the girl that she brought with her. Her name was Shannon. And I knew Shannon. I didn't know Jennifer, but I looked back at Shannon at some point. She's a few rows back. And I saw this really cute girl next to her. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, just passing. That's good. Good looking girl like that. And, um, didn't think anything of it. My sister and her friends afterwards, uh, drove to a McDonald's, which was a popular meetup spot afterwards. And lo and behold, Shannon's there with the cute girl. And so I go up and start talking to Shannon, knowing that eventually I can strike up a conversation with the cute girl. Well, I did just that. And at the time, I will tell you, I was thin and I was as good looking as I've ever been, which wasn't much. (laughs) I wasn't wasn't really good looking. I was always a guy that looked really young for my age. And so it, it was like, even if I could say I was a good looking young man, it's more that I was a young man instead of good looking, if you understand what I'm saying. So I would have never fit. Into the fine category ever never 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 I was never fine. I was never hot whatever But uh, I was too young looking and and had childlike features to be anything more than cute And I I cringe even saying that because my wife even knows today to not call me cute because I hate it But that's that's about as as close as we can get Uh, I was 18 by the way, not, not 19 when I met her. So it was, it was legal. Um, I don't know if it was or not, but the thing is, um, I met her at McDonald's. I ended up sitting with her and Shannon and we started talking and she talked a lot and I talked a lot and we were kind of, you know, clicking or whatever. And, um, my sister said, it's time to go. And, uh, I said, uh, I, I didn't want to go yet. And then Jennifer says, well, I can give you a ride home. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can stay longer. So I sent them on their way. And she left me in Brunswick, or yeah, in Brunswick with uh, this girl I'd just met. Well, let me tell you, Jen had been driving all the two weeks and it showed. That ride home was an experience. That young lady could not drive to save her life. She almost killed us pulling onto an off-ramp on the highway turning around in the middle of the off-ramp, getting back off the off-ramp. I mean, just, that's the worst part that I remember. Um, I just remember being generally nervous. And I also remember her coming across as a man-hater. She had recently been in a relationship with a guy that had mistreated her, and she didn't like guys, you know. She just wasn't, she just said, that they, all they want to do is, is get with you and then dump you and this, that, and the other. So I, I you know, but, um, we talked, we dropped off Shannon and we talked and we kind of connected and I was so stupid. I didn't get her number or anything, but all I could do was think about her after she dropped me off. And so the next day I had to go on an old school uh, search for that girl's phone number because there was no internet i didn't know her name or last name there was no looking it up in the phone book you know her name wouldn't have been in there anyway it had been there with everybody else even though her last name turned out to be pretty uh irregular dumont it's probably the only one in the phone book in our small town but i started calling people that i did know like shannon and Shannon's like, I don't know her phone number, but here you can call this girl. And I I found myself calling people that I only knew through school, um, because, and they were the smart kids. I didn't make the connection, but that's, that's what, what was happening is I was worming my way through call, through call, through call, through, through a bunch of people that were smarter than me and were making good grades and were in spanish 101 and trigonometry and calculus and all that kind of stuff and i mentioned that i was not in that that group when i decided to go through a college and career or a a career path instead of a college path in high school um good old georgia high school so um anyway i i find long story short i got her number and i called her and we talked for 8 hours. I remember us talking about everything, politics, religion, family, um you know, issues with with boys and girls and stuff and and especially Christianity and uh we were both in a place where I I was seeing this girl that was leading me down the wrong path. She had just gotten rid of this guy that was leading her down the wrong path and i saw a bright light in her and i think she saw one in me and um long story short she asked me to go to this thing with her church and i can't even remember what it's called but i'm sure it had the word jam in it somewhere (laughs) Cause that was a very popular thing, but it was some youth group event. Super wow. That's what it was called. Super wow. And, uh, they had Christian t-shirts and, you know, Christian armbands and bracelets and necklaces and, and, and also a, a band and a speaker and, you know, all this. And me and her, we skipped the whole thing and just walked around in the lobby. And I just made her laugh the whole time. And I think by the end of it, we were holding hands. Um. so that was really neat we uh, our, our first actual date was on my birthday she said I'm going to take you out on your birthday I didn't have a job at the time so I was not much of a catch but she took me to Burrell Creek in St. Mary's Georgia it's a seafood restaurant that was on the water and I remember sitting there across from her and she gets her salad and she picks up a piece of it and a piece of it promptly falls off her fork into her lap and my heart just leapt because she was not like any other girl I'd ever met. She wasn't pristy. She wasn't like afraid to eat in front of a guy. And she was a little bit clumsy and she laughed it off instead of acting stupid, and embarrassed about it or anything like that. And That little, that little movement is something I still bring up once in a while. That little piece of salad, because that was the moment that I started to fall in love with, with her because she was so not a game player. She wasn't, Oh, I'm girl, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and, and some guys love that and that's great. And some of that works for a lot of women and, and it's awesome. But for me, it didn't, it wasn't my type and she was. So um I went through a lot of different jobs though. I I did try. I worked at a buffet. Um I I already mentioned I worked at a car wash. I at the buffet I washed uh dishes and I would be so hungry because I didn't have any money that I would eat the scraps <laughs> out of the food that would come to the back. It was pitiful. And and, and to my credit, all right, in my defense, I'm not talking about um food coming in on plates talking about at the end of the night we when we would dump out all the food into the dumpster i would just be like crying almost because of all the baked beans and the col- coleslaw and the salad the potato salad and and the yeast rolls oh my gosh the yeast rolls that we would throw away i'd be stuffing them in my pockets and eating as many as i could Um, I mentioned the Ford dealership that I worked at. I worked at a Wendy's for a while flipping burgers and, um, I managed to move out again and, uh, I I moved into a trailer and then I moved into another trailer that was closer to my wife's house. Very interesting stuff here. Um, but I was never really able to. To hold down a job for very long with Wendy's, I was just ashamed to work there. I had never wanted to work fast food. You know, I uh, it it just it just broke my heart for some reason, and I shouldn't have been that way. I shouldn't have been so proud. But one time my sister and all her friends and my friends, they were a lot of my friends came by and they saw me over on the grill and they all, you know, Hey, hey, James, hey, and I was so embarrassed that I couldn't even look at them. And that was the night I quit. And there was no reason to do that. Um, man, grilling at Wendy's is probably the best job in the whole place. Cause you don't have to deal directly with customers. You don't have to sweep and mop the floors at the end of the night. You just clean your grill and you're good to go. You know, but anyway, I moved out again and uh, barely had any money, (laughs) barely had electricity, barely had anything. But Jen graduates. And uh, we had dated for two years at that point. And I loved her so much and believed in her so much because she was one of the most driven. People, and she did so much to improve me. She got me out of debt. I think I mentioned debt. I, let me tell you what happened. I got in a car accident and I got some money out of it. And then I went crazy cause I was poor and I had a poor person's mentality and I, I spent a lot of it and I didn't understand how, uh, banks worked. And so I would write a check for something and then I'd be so surprised when I had more more money than I thought in the ATM. So I'd pull money out of the ATM and then the check would bounce and this, that, and the other. And I didn't pay the hospital bills. I spent the money on stupid stuff like televisions and, and, and stupid things, maybe getting my car fixed, that kind of stuff. And I messed up my credit. And when Jen met me, I was, I was, in, you know, I was in debt to people. I was having collectors calling. Well, they would have called if I'd had a phone. <laughs> I used to have to drive on my bike down the street to the payphone to call her because um, I didn't have a phone in my trailer. I don't know what she saw in me because she graduated valedictorian and she hung out with a loser like me, and I still struggle with that image of being a bum. My wife's like, "James, you realize that was only like a year and a half, and you were eighteen, nineteen years old. But for some reason, that period of time has been something that I've identified myself by ever since. Even on my best day, you know, at Sheffield, working as a children's pastor, at the end of the day when it was all said and done and nobody was around to say any different, I felt like it felt like a bum. And that really comes up these days when I'm a person that doesn't have a job, that does uh, stay at home, that, that does nothing but podcasts, a few chores, and drawing pictures for people every now and then. Um, that image of being that, that bum, that, that useless person, really tries to come back and get me. But uh, she graduated Uh, Like I said, valedictorian, I was so proud of her and so in love with her and I can prove it. I can prove it because it was time for her to go to school and I let her go. Meaning I could have manipulated things and could have been a butt and could have put myself first and said you know i don't want you to go i want you to stay here with me but i i let her go because i believed in her and her dreams so much and i did it knowing i would lose her knowing that she would find some college guy that was worth something and that i would be forgotten and um i think that's the thing that probably (laughs) the reason why we're still married today is because of that is the one mature thing I did in my whole young adult life was let her go. Now we still dated, you know, and was still going together, whatever you called it back then. But, uh, she graduates, she goes to Macon, Georgia for school. And eventually, uh, I don't know. I don't know how long it was, maybe a year later. Maybe it was six months later, but I followed her. (laughs) So as mature as I made myself sound just now, just know that it didn't last long. But uh, I moved out there because I was in so much debt again. It was mostly uh, debt that I owed my landlord and I didn't have the money to pay. And I didn't have a job, and it seemed like the best thing in the world was to just load up as much as I could in my my uh, sh- Chevy. What was it? I don't even know. It was a it was a uh, uh, oh, a hatchback, and uh, I loaded up everything I could in there, and I drove all the way to Macon, Georgia, with no plan on where to stay. My, my future wife had a friend who, uh, needed a roommate. And so I signed a lease with them, a co-lease, and I got a job at a temp fac uh, factory, a temp agency. And I started working temp jobs and, um, I got to do some cool stuff, uh, different, different businesses. And one of them was for the cherry blossom festival which was a big deal in Macon. Cause if you don't know this and you should Macon has the largest amount of cherry blossoms trees, uh, outside of Japan. And they are, they are known for this and they have a festival every year and it is so horrible. Not the festival. The fact that they have all of these blossoming trees, the pollen there put me in the hospital. The first year I moved there. I, I couldn't breathe for it. You would sweep it off the porch with a broom, the yellow. Um, but I ended up working for this place, and uh, they liked me. And I ended up getting familiar with some of the downtown businesses. And one of those downtown businesses happened to be a place called Making T-shirts. Uh, cute name, right? Making, making T-shirts. Huh? We're making T-shirts. And, uh, I put in for the job of an artist. Never thought in a million years I'd get it. I went in and I tried out. They, they said that we, we want you to do some art for the t-shirts and I did it and I got picked. And let me tell you, let me tell you, I called or they called me and told me about that job that I got it. And I, I cried and it was the first time, you know, it was a dream job. Cause I was going to do some, get, you know, get money doing something I was good at. I didn't have any other skills. And, um, I worked for them for two years and I, I did artwork and I learned how to print t-shirts and caps. And eventually it was a weird period of time because when I first started the job, everything was manual. So I had to draw everything on paper and we had a giant upright camera in a, in a, in a red lit room, a dark room, you know? And, uh, so I learned how to shoot onto film with an enlarging camera. It was a giant camera, this huge, uh, vertical setup that I had to learn how to use. And I would develop negatives instead of positives, uh, or actually, actually, sorry, I developed positives instead of negatives, which is just weird. Just trust me because we needed positives To burn onto the screen which would then be the negative which would then print and become a positive again if that makes any sense i doubt it does but i learned everything there is to know and to this day if i had to start a a t-shirt shop i could do it i would know what equipment to buy and i would know how to get started i wouldn't want to do it (laughs) but i could um while that was going on we me and Jen, um, we found a church, and uh, it was called Northside Assembly, and the only reason why we picked it, we didn't know any of the area, but we knew the Northside was nice, and Northside was in the name, so we went to Northside Assembly, and there happened to be a lot of younger married couples there, and they kind of took us under their wing and became our friends, and they hired a brand new children's youth uh pretty much everything but senior pastor kind of guy his name was david godbout and yes you've probably heard me talk about david he is my longtime and best friend it's been 24 years uh that we've been friends but uh i tried to leave the church he wanted me <laughs> to work with him in children's ministry. And I'd always worked in children's ministry. I always had had a place in whatever church I was in. I'd, I would work in the youth department or the children's church or something like that. My mom and I even did children's church one time for a church. But, um, but I met David, and David kind of messed me up because he was a pastor, but he was the first pastor or man, for that matter, that I'd ever met that was the same at church as he was out of church. He was the same person around his family that he was around me. He was the same person behind the pulpit as he was when he was mowing his lawn. And I mentioned earlier that I was three different people. I had learned to be whoever I needed to be to fill whatever role that people needed me to fill. And that meant hiding a good bit of, who, who I was or adding things to myself that I may not be comfortable being, you know, I don't know, like acting more religious than I really was. Uh, that, that one comes to mind, but David was real. That's what I called it. He was real. And he became my, my idol. Um, and he allowed me to come in and work in his children's church, and he was a guy that did outreach and he would we would go out into the neighborhoods and we would collect a bunch of kids and bring them in on fans and preach to them and and do puppets and music and he he let me uh participate in all of that and I was good at it and he he appreciated it, and I did that for a number of years. Somewhere in there, though, um, probably it was at least a three-year period because Jen went to school for three years. She graduated college in three years with honors. So sometime in that three years, um, the summer before her senior year in college, Jen and I tied the knot, and we got married in Macon, which was extremely rude. We think about it now, we talk about it. Because um, all of our family lived back in St. Mary's. And it would have been so nice of us to think about our family a little bit more, the people that were paying for the dang wedding, and uh, and do it there. But we were thinking about our young selves and our new friends and the church and the pastor that we had and, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if you can expect a 20-something to, to think about that. But I was 23. She was one month from... 20 and uh we probably should have waited till after she graduated college but we we didn't we we were ready and we got married and we went on uh honeymoon to orlando florida did disney and and it was a lot of fun it was a good time and uh we've been happily married ever since never never have fought never had any issues never never uh you know, argued. She's never stormed out on me. Um, we've never brought up the topic of why did I ever marry you or any of those kind of things. Actually, that was pretty much describing the first five years of our relationship. Um, because I, I think even, even though we had dated for four years before we got married, which I think was a very good thing for us. Um, we still had a lot to learn. And that's why I urge people not to move in together before they get married. Um, and I urge people because, and not sleep together before they get married, because you mess around and have a kid and you have to learn how to be a husband and a wife at the same time you're trying to learn to be a father and a, or a mom. And luckily we didn't do a whole, I didn't do a whole lot right. You know, I still identify myself as the bum, but I'm married good. I'm married up. That's for sure. And she and I made good decisions. One of them was to wait so long to get married. Another one was to have a ring and a date. When we got married, we didn't, or when we got engaged, we didn't, um, just, I didn't just give her a ring. We actually talked about it. It's like, when do you want to get married in June? Okay, well, I'm going to propose. We went out and picked out rings together. We, we, we were too practical. Too too cheap is more like it. Uh, we, we weren't making a b- bunch of money. She was working at a florist shop and I was working at the t-shirt shop. We didn't have a lot of money. We bought our wedding bands at Sam's Club. Both her engagement ring and my wedding ring and hers. And I think, I don't know how much we paid for the whole thing, but I know my ring was a hundred bucks and I still have it. It's, uh, it's all scratched up and dull, but it's, it's the same one. I've had it on for going on 24 years next, this coming Monday, actually. Um, all right. So where are we at? We, we've, uh, being at this church and meeting David was a, was a huge thing in our, in our life in Jen and Jen life, our young married life, because, we had never met anybody that talked about having a relationship with God about we'd never met anybody that tried actively to reach out to people and introduce them to Christ. We, we never met anybody that did anything but talk about these kinds of things. And this man and his family, um, did these things. And, uh, like I said, I idolized him and I worked underneath them And that's why it was so crazy when he announced to us all that he would be leaving. It had been, you know, a couple years or whatever, but he was going to move to Kansas City to work as a youth pastor at an inner city church called Sheffield Family Life Center. He had always talked about his home church and how he wished that he could take us all there sometime. And I actually, he actually did. I remember now he got the whole youth group together and we went to St. St. Uh, it's Kansas city to Sheffield. And we did outreach and stuff, uh, in the inner city. And, um, it was, it was interesting because I had never, ever been exposed to any other culture other than poor white people culture and, and then rich white people culture, because those are the people that look down on you. But, Anyway, um so about that same time we felt God was calling us to go to Bible school. We were both sitting in a in a service one day. Nothing particularly spiritual going on at the time, but I suddenly just got this this feeling or thought in my head that just said, you know, you need Actually, I remember now what it was. It, it said, what are you? And I thought about how much of a bum I was, how much of a loser I was, and and how, you know, I, I was a, a T-shirt printer and all this. And what came to my mind instead were, were these thoughts washed over those thoughts, and it was worship leader, and it was, uh, you know, children's ministry worker, these kind of thoughts and images kind of flooded out all those negative ones. And I knew this was something that was from God because I don't think positively by default. Not like that. Not, uh, not about myself. And I realized God was trying to tell me that he sees me as what I, what I'm doing. Um, good for him. And you know, when, when I'm obedient and, and following in his will rather than, what I think of myself at my worst times and, and, and I, and, and one of them was pastor and, and I was like, dang, okay, well, if I'm gotta be, if I'm going to be a pastor, I need to go to Bible school and I open my eyes and I look over at Jen and I expect to, to start explaining this to her. And she says, James, I think we need to go to Bible school. And (laughs) I don't know if you've been in church a long time, but if you have, you've heard stories like this and i hate them because they're all so so cheesy <laughs> but it really happened that way <laughs> you know i even have a check came at the last minute kind of story so it's it's so annoying um but i'll 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 try to i'll try to tell you that one when, when it comes but you know if you've been in church at all you hear these the the check came at the last minute and You hear these God told my wife the same thing that he had told me stories and and it just becomes monotonous in a way because you're like, yeah, all right, whatever. I don't even believe that. And then God just says, okay, well, that's how I'm going to communicate to you then since you think it's so dang cheesy. So that was funny. Um, I also have to mention that while I was doing t-shirt design during this time, um, at night I started learning web design. And, uh, it, it was, I was enthralled with the internet, just websites and GeoCities and, and netcom and, and, you know, anything that, that was creative. Uh, I, I was getting into it. And the magical moment came one day when I looked at a website that I liked and I right clicked and hit view source. And I saw HTML code for the first time. And I m- learned how to make it work. And back then there was no cascading style sheets. There was no, uh, database driven stuff. It was, uh, you either knew how to code or you used a WYSIWYG editor. Um, Oh, I can't even remember the software that Microsoft had that made supposedly building websites so easy. And it just, it was, it was a a mess. But anyway, um, I learned how to code websites. And It just so happened there was an internet service provider just down the block from the t-shirt shop And I kept going in there and talking and talking to the guy behind the counter making friends and um, They found out. I don't know at some point they needed a web designer and I said hey I, I know how to do this and I know how to draw and so for the for the price of one employee you can have an artist that can do all of the artwork and a person that can collect all of the data from the customer and knows how to spit it out into the form of a website. And man, I created dozens of websites from scratch using a text editor. Actually, I used a text editor called Hotdog Pro. And that dates me, I'm sure. I still have the serial code for it, though I'm sure it's not being made today. But um, yeah, so I eventually, uh, I, I, I did it on the side and then it got to the point where they wanted me to come over full time and they were paying me more than the t-shirt shop did. So I put in my two week notice, even though I hated losing my job at the one place, I wanted to try to do both. I really did because the money was good for a little while, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I started working at a place called MyLink, your link to the internet. And I designed them a logo. I, I made them business cards, man. They, they stepped up quite a few notches. Uh, when they hired me, um, so anyway, I had to put that in there, but David, David tells us he's moving. And at that same point, we decided we were moving. We were going to go to Bible school. And so while David packed up his family and moved him to Kansas city, we packed up everything. And we moved down to Lakeland, Florida to go to a little school at the time called Southeastern College now it's southeastern university and it's big stuff, man. They, they really fixed it up. But back then it was just a small little school. Um, so I, I enrolled in college and my goal was to, uh, major in children's or youth ministry. And that would be the coolest thing ever. Uh, we, we bought a house After a while, we lived in an apartment. We bought a house. It was our first house. It was a little block house and had hardwood floors underneath some nasty green carpet. That was a surprise and an awesome thing. We got our first dog. His name was D.O.G. D.O.G. You get it? D.O.G. And he was was awesome. He ate everything, including all the bushes. Uh, The house had uh, water sprinklers out front. And he ate all of the electronics for that to where it quit working. Um, he used to eat all of his toys in a matter of seconds. One time we bought him a $10 Kong, you know, those, those things. And he ate it. It was indestructible, it was supposed to be indestructible. I was like, we should have given him a $10 bill. It, would, it probably lasted longer. We would ended up taking my old jeans and tying them in knots and just throwing them at him so he could have something to chew on until the dumb dog ate the jeans and pooped out the rivets, pooped them out. You'd see him in his poop. And I'm like, we can't do this anymore. We, we can't. DOG was cool and he was a great dog, but he was one of those dogs that always tried to run away. So if he ever got out, he would just run. And I hate that. hate that. I chased that dog more than I petted him. And that's the truth. So, um, Anyway, we went to school for two years. I, well, no, maybe a year and a half. I don't know. We didn't stay long because uh, David Godbout, who, who, uh, well, let me back up. I'm sorry. The on the, on the last Sunday, and this I'll close with this, and then I'll pick up with with our move from uh, Florida to Kansas City on the, on the last, hopefully the last one. Um, on the last day when david got up and gave his last parting sermon um i told you i idolized him and it was always kind of from a distance he i i didn't realize that he appreciated me i'd never had a man in my life that did i had had a a father that i never knew who signed away his rights i had a stepdad that i could never uh, impressed with anything that I ever did. Um, I was, uh, his expectations were always three or four steps ahead of me. And if I met those, then the expectations would go higher. And I never felt like I ever won his love or his respect or anything. And so I, I kind of, I guess, attached myself to this guy almost as a father figure, and on his last day, his last sermon, he, he got up there and he said all the normal stuff and he said his goodbyes. But then he had one more thing to say. And he, he talked about somebody. And at first I didn't know who he was talking about because he was, he was saying such great things. he was talking about creativity and potential and mu- musical talent and artistic talent and i got so scared that he was talking about me because i i thought i felt like in my heart that if he was That it it was going to kill me. It was going to hurt. And it turned out he was. And I ran out of the back of the chapel. And I just banged my fist against the wall. And I cried so hard. Because it hurt so bad. I don't know why. But to finally hear somebody. Say things like that, that I respected so much, it killed me and I've never forgotten that and it's part of the reason I'm a great dad because I'm not a great husband. I I, I kind of suck. My wife would disagree, but I'm a good dad, and it's because i I know what not to do. I learn not to not to leave. I learn to never give up, and I learn to tell them about themselves. And what do you think of them? And my kids, they're not perfect. <laughs> but they know who they are. And they each have a very strong sense of self-worth, and self-value, and, an, and a good, healthy amount of self-esteem. They don't suffer from the lack of a, of a good dad. Because in all the the work I've done in children's ministry, I can tell you that a dad that doesn't interact properly with his kids at home, his kids have the same symptoms as a single parent home child does, if that makes sense. Like there would be kids that I would go to with their parents with discipline issues and I would ask you know, where the father was. Oh, he has a dad. And then you find out dad doesn't do anything. But anyway, I'm kind of skipping ahead to the kid part, huh? (laughs) But we got a while to, till we get there. So anyway, um, I'll just stop it right there. I was married at age 22 moved to Florida went to college and that's where we'll leave it right there. Um, coming up soon, we're going to move to Kansas city and life as we know, it will never be the same. Thank you for listening. Thank you for plugging away at all this. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I talk too much or not enough. I didn't mean for there to be like five parts to this dumb thing. And I'm sorry. It was, it's been like a month between them because these are hard. These are hard to do. And it's not easy to just sit down and, and, and go through it because you'd think it would be, but there's the especially the first couple were really rough on me emotionally. So anyway, thanks uh, again to my supporters, my Patreon supporters, uh Carrie Wright, Carrie Bernhardt, thank you. Thanks, Zane. I appreciate you. And if you'd like to become a supporter and just, you know, uh throw me a few bucks a month, patreon.com slash G O K. If you have any questions or comments or feedback, James at nlcast.com or hit me up on Facebook. Uh and we'll see you guys next time for part four.